This podcast is about heroes in military and law enforcement. Some gave their service for America and served in the armed forces. Some have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, and others protected the local community and died in the line of duty. Our lives would be a whole lot different if it weren't for the hard work and sacrifice of these brave men and women. They could have gone on to live lives that were less dangerous. However, they dedicated themselves to your protection. If you ever have the pleasure of talking to one of them, they'll tell you, I'm not a hero, but I had the honor of walking beside a few. Others will say, the real heroes are those who didn't make it back home. This episode is dedicated to U.S. Marine Corps, PFC, and U.S. Army Captain Jack Lucas, 1st Battalion, 26th Marine Regiment, 5th Marine Division, United States Marine Corps, and 82nd Airborne Division, United States Army. Jacqueline Harrell, or Jack Lucas, was born on Valentine's Day, 1928, in the rural area of Plymouth, North Carolina the son of a tobacco farmer. When he was just 10, his dad died. The loss was very disturbing for him, and with no father figure, he became a troublemaker, mostly by starting fights. His mother had a hard time dealing with this rebellious young man and sent him to the Edwards Military Institute, now called Southwood College, in Salemburg, North Carolina. At Edwards, Jack continued his fighting spirit, but the tough training eventually began to reveal his leadership traits. One time, he defended a young cadet who was being abused by a cadet leader. At five foot eight inches and 180 pounds, Lucas participated in many sports and activities, including being captain of the football team, also competing in baseball, basketball, wrestling, boxing, horseback riding, and shooting. By the time he made cadet captain, he heard the disturbing news of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Jack was deeply affected by the event and grew obsessed with wanting to do something about it. On August 7, 1942, along with many other young men, he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. He was physically fit and could easily outdo men in their 20s. However, he had a huge problem. Jack had just completed the eighth grade and was only 14. Because he was athletic and fit for his age, he could easily have passed for 17 or 18, so he forged his mother's signature. He later said that if his father had been alive, he would be the only one who could have stopped him. Jack's papers were accepted, and he was officially enlisted into the United States Marine Corps Infantry as a rifleman. Because Jack had played multiple sports and had attended military academy, his experience gave him a huge advantage during boot camp in Paris Island, South Carolina. After boot camp, he was stationed at various marine bases and excelled in training. Unfortunately, his quarrelsome nature and youthful demeanor followed him around wherever he went. Despite his downfalls, the one thing Lucas was insistent on was going to war. During heavy machine gun training, he was so successful that the CO gave him orders to remain at the school and train other new machine gunners as his unit shipped out to California for additional training before deploying to the Pacific. Jack had something else in mind. Ignore the orders to stay behind and hide out on the train with his unit. When they pulled into the station in California, Lucas assumed ignorance, stating that he thought his name was on the roll call. Thinking of it as an error, 
His lieutenant put him on the list with the rest of his team members. After training was completed, Lucas and his Marines shipped out for Pearl Harbor in November 1943. Although Jack had developed a reputation as a tough Marine, he was still only 15 years old. He arrived at Pearl Harbor and his unit shipped out for the Battle of Tarawa on November 20th, 1943. However, Jack did not go into battle with them. His true age was discovered through a letter he had written home to his mother. His CO threatened to discharge him, but Jack said that he would just join the army instead so they could profit from his excellent marine training. The CO saw in Jack a determined spirit and a heart of gold, so he didn't discharge him. Instead, Jack stayed behind while his friends went into battle. He had a driver's license, so he was given a job driving a garbage truck. Jack hadn't given up his ultimate goal, which was going into combat, so he designed a plan. He noticed that when a Marine got into trouble, they were usually sent into combat, and getting into trouble was something he was very good at. Jack got into over 20 fights during his leave time and was placed in the brig every single time. Once he found himself facing court-martial after fighting with a fellow Marine and spent 45 days in jail instead of being shipped off to war. So far, he hadn't been successful at getting into combat, so he changed his approach. He found out that the 5th Marines, where his cousin served, were anchored at Pearl Harbor and were most likely shipping out soon. On January 10th, 1945, at 16 years old, Jack got dressed up in his Class C uniform, grabbed a sleeping bag and his rucksack, and headed for the harbor. He soon fell into step with a group of leathernecks and acted like he had been there all along. Eventually, the group boarded a transport ship, which was the exact boat his cousin was on. After the two met up, they agreed to hide the fact that Jack was a stowaway. Jack wasn't assigned a bunk, so he slept where he could and mingled with the rest of the Marines. He knew that eventually, after 30 days, his lieutenant back at Pearl Harbor would notice his absence, and he would be classified as a deserter. 29 days later, he turned himself in. Although he had broken the rules and stowed away on the ship, the colonel gave him some slack. He said that he wished he had a whole boatload of Marines just like Jack, who were ready to fight and assigned him to his cousin's unit, the 1st Battalion, 26 Marines. There, on that ship, Jack turned 17, the certified age to fight. At the beginning of the voyage, he had no clue where they were headed. Finally, he found out they were going to a place he had never heard of, Iwa Jima. After 70 days of aerial and arterial bombardment, the U.S. thought they had destroyed the Japanese defenders on Iwa Jima. However, the Japanese had dug an intricate network of tunnels and were hardly affected by the bombings. On February 19, 1945, the amphibious invasion began. At first, the Marines had very little resistance and thought their mission was only going to last three days. However, the Battle of Iwo Jima would stretch on for 36 more bloody days. After the arrival of the Marines on the beach, the Japanese began hitting them with all they had. When the sun went down after two days of battle, 5,000 U.S. troops had lost their lives. Lucas's exemplary actions took place on the second day. Early in the morning, Jack and his unit landed on Red Beach, 
As he disembarked from the Higgins boat, he sloshed through the salt water and onto the thick black volcanic sand that seemed otherworldly. Almost instantly, they drew intense enemy fire, but had to push through to find cover. They ran in crouching positions from one foxhole to the next, making their way to their objective, one of the two airfields on the island. The entire reason for taking this uninhabited island was to capture the runways and make for the eventual invasion on the Japanese mainland. Jack was part of a four-man fire team that was centered on one weapon, the Browning Automatic Rifle, or the BAR. Chambered with 30-06 rounds, the BAR was a 20-pound death machine that could fire 600 rounds per minute. While one Marine carried the BAR, the three others carried semi-automatic M1 Garands. Jack and his fire team spent the first night in the foxhole, keeping watch in one-hour shifts. The next morning, they headed north toward their objective. They slowly progressed under steady fire and eventually took cover in a trench around noon, while a Mark I Bronson Sherman tank armed with a flamethrower torched a pillbox that was nearby. These beasts could spread their fiery death over 150 feet. The Japanese soon ran for their lives directly into the same trench with Lucas and his fire team. A close quarters battle ensued where all hell broke loose and they opened fire on the Japanese. After Lucas took out two enemy fighters, a miracle happened. His gun jammed. It was this event that ended up saving the rest of the Marines in that trench. As Lucas reached down to clear the malfunction, he spotted two Japanese grenades on the ground directly in front of him. He didn't see when they had been thrown and had no idea how long they'd been there. In a split second, he hollered, Grenade! and threw himself on the one closest to him, then grabbed the second with his right hand and pulled it to his chest. Not only had he thrown himself on two enemy grenades, he also had six more attached to the webbing in his vest. To his relief, only one of the grenades went off, and he took the full force of the explosion. The shock from the blast threw him up several feet in the air, and he landed on the ground unconscious and critically wounded. Thinking he was dead, his teammates didn't have time to investigate further and continued on in the assault. They were able to rout the Japanese and eventually reach their target. After a while, Lucas was saved by another group of Marines with a Navy corpsman. After discovering he was alive, he was carried out on a stretcher, sent to a hospital ship, stabilized, and sent to San Francisco. Lucas underwent 21 surgeries to rebuild his torso and remove as much metal shards as possible. For the rest of his life, he had shrapnel embedded in his body that would set off metal detectors. On October 5, 1945, Jack Lucas's heroic actions were explained in full detail during a Medal of Honor presentation. Jack became the youngest serviceman since the Civil War to receive the Medal of Honor. During the ceremony, Truman jokingly said, I'd rather have that medal than be president, to which Jack replied, Sir, I'll swap you. Jack went on to New York City and was part of a parade to promote the military effort during the war and honor his heroism. Everybody loved him so much and surrounded him with praise and attention. Sometimes girls would run up out of nowhere and steal a kiss. According to Jack, the New York women treated me so nice and I had a ball for the next couple of days. 
Jack Lucas was soon discharged due to his injuries and went on to business school at High Point University. After graduation, he worked in the beef industry near Washington, D.C. One would think that after jumping on two grenades and receiving the Medal of Honor, his military days were over. However, in 1961, he enlisted in the U.S. Army as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division, so he could, according to him, overcome his fear of heights. Once, during training, Lucas survived a parachute jump after both of his chutes malfunctioned. He volunteered to go to Vietnam, but was ordered to remain stateside. Instead, he trained troops headed to the Vietnam War and retired as a captain in 1965 at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. In the year 2000, Lucas laid his Medal of Honor into the hull of the newly christened USS Iwo Jima. On June 5, 2008, Jack Lucas died of leukemia at the age of 80 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, surrounded by many of his family and friends, including his wife Ruby. Once, Jack said, I didn't even think of medals when I was in the military. It wasn't the thing to go to war for some medal. I went to war to fight for my country. I don't feel like I'm some big hero. The real heroes are the ones who had to give their all, their life. On September 18th, 2016, the USS Jack H. Lucas, a destroyer, was named in his honor. So take a moment and remember this name, Jack Lucas. Lucas.